Welcome to the Eye Test, a fantasy football podcast for those who are tired of listening about boring stats all day. This is episode nine. We are looking ahead to week eight. As always, I am your host, Bobby, and I'm joined by my good friends and co-hosts, John and Paul. Hello. Buckle the fuck up because you are about to win or lose your fantasy week. And Paul, I know you got some news for us. There's been a lot of stuff going on. So let's hear it. Yeah, so we'll just run through these pretty quickly. There's only two teams on bye this week, the Chiefs and the Chargers. Oh. So just plan accordingly for that. And then for anyone living under a rock, Christian McCaffrey was traded to the 49ers. We should. What? I know. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, McCaffrey was the traded San Francisco for like, 49ers? Yeah. Holy he was traded for like a shit ton of dookie ass picks. And so he's going to the Niners. Should receive more workload this week, but don't expect him to be 100% geared up to CMC level. But of course I say that, and then he's going to go nuclear. Um, Sorry, Bobby, you might want to close your ears for this one. Brees Hall is done for the year with a ACL. Guys, I'm just going to leave the episode now. Yeah. Fantasy managers, let's come together and say a prayer for all the Brees Hall owners out there surprisingly ezekiel elliott is expected to miss week eight with a knee injury that just came out today on the good news though deandre swift is back at practice and is completely off the injury report so he is expected to be a full participant for the rest of the week and ready to go and also on the lines amon ross st brown should be good to go he did leave the game in the first quarter last week but he is at practice looking good DK Metcalf will most likely miss week eight. A lot of people feared that that injury was serious during week seven, but he did do walkthroughs today. Not that that really means anything, but he was there. And then also James Conner was back at practice. So if you are a James Conner owner, it wouldn't be a bad idea to slot him back into your RB2. Paul, you did miss one piece of news. Let me have it. I traded for Justin Jefferson in our redraft league. Oh, so I was going to let you guys talk about that. I was going <laughs> to let you guys talk about your own thing because I got a dynasty trade that I want to talk about too. Yeah, but, I did a trade too. So let's just go around yeah. the horn. We got, cool. but yeah, let's start with you guys. Honestly, you guys are playing each other in both our redraft league and our dynasty league this week. Yeah, Paul, yeah. how do you feel about that? So right now, my dynasty team is fucking butt loaded with talent. And my redraft team is like the shit I just took an hour ago. So with how fantasy works, I'm going to beat John in redraft and he's going to beat me in dynasty. Yeah, because my dynasty team sucks, dude. John, your team was good at first too, I felt like. Yeah, I have lost the last couple weeks. I don't know if having DeAndre Swift out would have changed anything because I've been losing by like 30. So I don't really see D Swift changing that. Dude, it's just my receivers are Mike Evans, which is good. And then it just goes down from there. It's Duvernay and fucking Donovan Peoples-Jones, I guess, are like my starters. Yeah, but even Mike Evans has been like disappointing this year. He's been getting like 18 points, 16 points here and there. So He's also also prone for like complete dumps of games too, which is – Yeah. I would say I can't feel your pain in the receiver department because you want to hear my three receivers for Dynasty? Yeah. So I have Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, and C.D. Lamb are my three wide receivers. I just made a trade. I traded the C.D. Lamb owner Drake London, a first-round pick, and Khalil Herbert 
for CD Lamb and a third round pick. So I am in complete win mode now. I have those three receivers. I have Josh Jacobs, Damian Pierce, and Travis Etienne as my three running backs. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I'm feeling good for Dynasty. And that is why I refuse to comment further on my redraft team. <laughs> that There's really not much to say with your redraft team at this point. But this is kind of, I feel, as the commissioner of the league and the official spokesperson for our redraft league, I feel like this is your last hurrah, Paul. If you don't win this week, you're probably not doing anything. You're already in. I'm saying that for three weeks, by the way. <laughs> and he, he's still not winning. We're like, one more week, dude, and then you're out. But, okay. But seriously, now, Paul, you got to win this week or it's over. And then we'll never talk about it again after this episode. Yeah. I realistically, if I win this week, I could go eight and six. And if my team plays up to the expectations that I drafted them on, then... Oh, yeah, because that happens every season. I know, that happens so regularly in fantasy. (laughs) But, (laughs) so, we'll see. But the nice thing about redraft is that I get to pick a whole new team next year. And this Dynasty team is going to stay with me for the long haul, baby. What are you going to do if you come in last place two years in a row? You came in last place last year, too? No, I didn't. So, John purposely set that trap for me. And it's because we were talking today and I was just bitching about my redraft team. And I was like, the thing that's so frustrating is I feel like I'm always on the unlucky side of fantasy football. Like last year I finished seventh, not because of points four, but because of a one win difference. Like I, this, the person who had the sixth spot, I remember I had 50 more points four than him, but he still got the playoff nod because he had that extra win. And I was like, it's just bullshit that happened. And then John was like, wait, but you didn't finish in seventh, you finished in last. And I was like, dude, I didn't give a shit about the loser's bracket. Like, I don't even know if I, like, set my lineup. I lost all the fucking loser's bracket games. So do you guys consider – okay, so because I personally think last place should just be decided not based on the loser's bracket. It should just be based on when the regular season ends. Where do you guys – Because then there's no – then why do a winner's bracket? Like, if the loser is going to be decided by the – Playoff uh, season, yeah. what the fucking winner be? Decided John, that's the dumbest season. question you've ever seen. Yeah, that's pretty. I don't know if it's that dumb, dude. I think you can't just have winner winners have to play in the playoffs. Losers don't. It's, they just don't have a loser. They just don't have a losers bracket. Just top six make it to the playoffs, and we do a winners bracket only. I'm, why are we doing a losers bracket? I'm fine with that. Then who, no, like I, I completely agree with that. I don't know why they do a, a default losers bracket, but. You can't say, like, having a winner's bracket is completely different than having a loser's bracket. Yeah. (laughs) Just make the season, just make the season 17 weeks long, and who's ever in first at the end wins. No, because the whole point of fantasy football is also hitting the waiver wire and making trades and doing all those types of things, which could project you from eighth, like ninth or eighth. You make a good trade, you make a good waiver pickups. All of a sudden, you're in the fifth or sixth spot. You make playoffs, and next thing you know you're ascending the leaderboard in that regard. So I think the winner's bracket has to stay. But the loser's bracket is just so pointless. I think in redraft leagues, the loser's bracket is not pointless. I think in dynasty leagues where you're going to have a draft order based off standings, that should be, and is in our league, by the way, it is based off regular standings, the the draft is. I would say dynasty, loser's bracket doesn't really matter. Redraft, it does. You got to play to the end of the season. And who doesn't want to play to the end of the season? Me, when I'm in seventh place and have nothing to play for. (laughs) 
The You're losers. playing for seventh, dude. That's not bad. I'm saying, like, I think the losers, like, if you have punishment for your league, because I know a lot of leagues do, we go on and off with having a punishment with our redraft league. But I personally feel like the person that gets the punishment shouldn't be the person that loses the losers bracket. It should be the person that finished in 12th place at the end of the regular season. Agreed, Bobby. But <laughs> let's move on now. Let's look ahead to week eight now, finally. And as always, we'd like to do a nice little segment here called Hot Potato, Rotten Tomato. We pick a player that we think is going to do well, but also someone that may have done well in the previous week that you think is going to continue. And then on the opposite side, someone that you think is just going to really shit the bed this week that people would otherwise expect to do. So, John, I'm going to start with you here. Who is your hot potato running back for the week? My hot potato running back is Tyler Algier this week. He is... Oh, that's yeah, spicy. It's very spicy. He's now like the RB1 on the Falcons, and they run the ball a lot. Ever since Cordell Patterson's, he's been getting a lot more volume, Tyler Algier, but he hasn't had his breakout game yet, and I think it's coming this week. He's had two weeks with double-digit scores in PPR leagues, and he his volume is hanging around. like It's a little low. It's 12 rushing attempts ever since Cordell Patterson got injured. I think the main reason I'm picking him is because he's shown consistency in rushing attempts and getting double-digit points. So he's like a fair flex play, but he's playing against the Panthers, who actually did pretty good, did very well against Leonard Fournette last week, but he only had eight rushing attempts. So I think that if the Falcons can continue to run the ball, they give it to Tyler Algier, I think he's going to have like 20 points this week. And that is a spicy take. I totally understand it, but I like what he's doing this year. That's very spicy. The Fal- But one thing is for sure, as you did mention, the Falcons are, seems they're really committed to running the ball, no matter who is in the backfield, whether it's, was the guy uh, Huntley that they got Algier, the Cordell Patterson is hurt now, but it doesn't, whoever is in the backfield, it seems that they're running the ball, no matter what. Arthur Smith seems committed to running the ball to minimize probably the opportunity that Marcus Mariota could fuck up the game. And it's honestly worked out pretty well for them so far. So it's not crazy to think about. It just sounds weird talking about a Falcons running back that may blow up this week. But, Paul, let's move on to you. John gave us his hot potato running back for the week. Who is the hot potato quarterback that you are looking to continue a hot streak or maybe start a hot streak? Yeah, so I actually flirted with making him my locks of the week for okay. for the segments for the the, the segment moving forward. But my hot potato this week is going to be Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings. I like that. He like is that. coming off a of bye. The surprising five win Vikings are playing extremely well on both sides of the ball. <clears throat> and let's not get it twisted. Kirk can sling the ball with the best of them from a clean pocket. And the, they're playing an Arizona Cardinals defense that la, that ranks last in sacks. So Kirk Cousins is going to have a clean uniform all day. He's got guys like Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith, Dalvin Jaylen Cook. Can catch, yeah, Jalen Rager. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Eagles legend Jalen Rager. Who was <laughs> ahead of Justin Jefferson himself. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that locker room must be fun. But I expect Kirk Cousins to have a really good game this week. He has proven that he has some upside. And a lot of it, you can talk about the receivers. You can talk about his weapons, I know, here and there. 
But there's a reason they paid him the money that they did. They're five and one. They're going against a Cardinals team that looks really dismantled and really just not like a good football team. So if you're a Justin Jefferson owner, if you're a Kirk Cousins owner, I think that stack, if you have that stack, it might pay off in huge dividends for you this week. They're playing in Arizona? They are. Either way, it's a dome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Either Either way, they're playing no weather. Yeah, that's amazing. And, Paul, that's music to my ears because I'm looking – I hope Justin Jefferson blows up for 30 points. I I need some of that major upside for my wide receiver position this week. But speaking of wide receivers, let's move on to – we've talked about him a little bit on this podcast, but not too much. And he got a lot more recognition when he was on his former team, and that is Devontae Adams. And that was my – Hot potato wide receiver of this week. Been very consistent this year. Has had a couple, like, big games, but I think he could have a really big game this week. He'll obviously still – he's a target hog for the Raiders at this point in time. Darren Waller may come back this week, so it might eat into his targets a little bit. But let's be honest, Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. He's going up against the Saints defense that has been – really poor to their standards this year. Marshawn Lattimore is questionable. So even if he does play, he might not be at 100% yet. So I'm looking for Devontae Adams to take advantage of that matchup and the Saints secondary in general. They give up the fifth most points to fantasy wide receivers. And of course, they're in the Superdome, which always seems to help any type of offense, really. Look at what Joe Burrow did against them a air few raid. Oh, yeah. air raid in that stadium. So I'm looking for Devontae Adams to continue that hot streak and get somewhere between the 20 to 25 point range with ease. Like I said, target monster. And the Raiders have looked, their offense especially has looked pretty good this year. Not that spicy of a take from you, Bob. I was expecting no. something spicier. No, I I was looking at the wide receivers and I just couldn't find anyone that I was like really confident in that I was like, you know what, this guy's going to have a really good week. I had to go with someone, but I think I mainly named Devontae Adams more for, I think he's going to have a better week than he's been having recently. Like I said, I'm looking for like a 25 point game or so this week. Okay. Been consistently in that, you know, 17 to 18 point range, which is pretty much the floor for a wide receiver one. So I'm looking for him to take that next step in what I would consider like a blow-up game. What, yeah. do, you guys, what do you guys consider like bl- a blow-up game? Like 25 or? Like- I'd say 30. 30. Yeah, blow-up is 30. I think like a rock-solid above-average game is 25. Okay. But agreed. let's just say a prayer for all the guys who drafted Hunter Renfro earlier than they yeah. should this year. Cool. Me in Dynasty, dude. Mm. He doesn't yeah. even start. I think I drafted him. I don't even want to look. He was good last year. He was too. great last year. He was 100, 100 receptions. Dude, Derwin James came on like a podcast and talked about how he put Tyree Kill, Keenan Allen, and Hunter Renfro in the same sentence as like the hardest receivers to cover. Ugh. And don't get me wrong. Ugh. Hunter Renfro runs some crispy routes. Yeah. But – Devontae Adams came to town, and Derek Carr was like, that's my buddy. that That's my guy. Sorry, Hunter. You're yeah. a good dude, but you're a six-round pick from Clemson. 
Fun fact, Hunter Renfro also caught that game-winning championship touchdown with Deshaun Watson to beat Alabama that one year. Yeah, he did. But, it, yeah, it is a little – I mean, I think that's just the Devontae Adams effect. When you got a guy like Devontae Adams, obviously, like, he's just going to hog targets. There really isn't maybe Darren Waller, but he's injury-prone at this point, really on the field that much, and he's a little older. Devontae Adams is just going to do what he's done, and – Hunter Renfro, unfortunately, seems to be just not getting the volume that he did last year. Mm-hmm. But moving on, with every hot potato, there comes a rotten tomato. And I'll start with this one. I am looking for, John, I don't think you're going to be happy about this one. I am looking for, quick, before I name the player, is, do we know if, Paul, I think you mentioned it earlier, is DK Metcalf definitely out this week? No, so he did... He did – so Pete Carroll is always generally optimistic when it comes to injury report, but Metcalf did do a walkthrough, but that doesn't mean shit. Like, I could be in a boot, and I could do a walkthrough, and I have no chance of playing that week. So people are predicting that he does not suit up, but if you go based off of what Pete Carroll said, he does have a chance of playing. Okay, so I'm going to assume that – DK Metcalf doesn't play because I feel like coaches tend to be more optimistic than the reality of the situation. So I'm going to assume that DK Metcalf doesn't play. But regardless of if he did play or not, I was going to name this guy as my rotten tomato. And that is Tyler Lockett this week. John's so sad. And even more if DK Metcalf doesn't play. So the reality of the situation is the way I see it with the Seahawks right now is Geno Smith has come to earth in terms of passing volume, passing yards, putting up those gaudy fantasy stats and everything like that. He hasn't put up over 15 points the past two weeks, and that's probably partly due to the emergence of Ken Walker. So I'm looking for him to take away volume from Geno Smith in the passing game. And like you guys mentioned earlier, the Giants are giving up like the third lowest amount of fantasy points to wide receivers this year. So I'm looking for the Giants, especially if DK Metcalf doesn't play, to lock in, unlock it, no pun intended. I don't think he's going to have a good game this week. So I'm sorry, John, but you might be putting a guy that's in your wide receiver two slot and he might not turn out that well. Yeah, the Giants have been playing amazing against wide receivers. I get it. And it's actually going to be even harder for Tyler Lockett to perform if DK Metcalf is out because defense is just going to lock down on Lockett. The only thing that will help me is if Kenny Walker has a great game and then I can just hope for the long bomb to Tyler Lockett because the defense is so focused on Kenny Walker. We'll see. I have him. Yeah, I I got him. He is starting on my lineup right now, and I'm not going to change it because I'm not going to put Deontay Johnson against the Eagles over Tyler Tyler Lockett. So if Lockett can get me above 10 points, I'll take it. But let's move on to you, John. Who is that rotten tomato that's been sitting out in the sun way too long, and you just think he's just not going to have it this week? How about a rotten tomato that's been sitting on the IR for a couple of weeks and is coming back healthy? Oh, I'm interested. I don't know who this is off the top of my head. I don't think he's actually healthy. For our listeners, I just did air quotes. It's DeAndre Swift. I don't buy it that he's completely healthy. Mm-hmm. Don't buy it. I think they're rushing him back. Although, what I don't know what rushing someone back is like. But I will say, we've been noticing a little bit of a pattern with DeAndre Swift. He's yep. 
he's you got said- that he's got that injury prone label attached to him. Officially. Um, now last year I was looking, I was like, he only missed two or two to four games or something like that. But I noticed something. He got injured after he ran thirty three times against like Steelers last year. And I'm wondering I don't even remember what the injury was. Might not even be what this issue is, but I'm wondering if maybe that game had something to do with it because it just seemed like he went into the offseason not healthy and he came into the season. He had one breakout game this year. It was against the Eagles. It was like the first play of the season and he ran for like 50 yards. And he just hasn't, obviously hasn't been playing, but he hasn't been doing that much with Jamal Williams in the backfield too. DeAndre Swift is still a must start. I don't have the balls to, I'm starting him. I own him. I'm shaking in my boots right now, but yeah, you have to start him, but I'm just, I'm prepared to be upset. Yeah, I am very on board with that one because I've noticed that pattern too with DeAndre Swift. He always seemed, they always seem to be like he gets hurt and then they bring him back. He plays a little bit and then it's like, oh, he's like questionable this week. We're managing his reps. Like this guy just may not be a guy that can handle a full running back workload. He may just be one of those running backs. Doesn't mean he still can't be fantasy relevant, but he may just be one of those running backs that can't handle a full-time running back workload. Hence why Jamal Williams has been way more relevant this season than last season. Cause DeAndre Swift handled a lot of the work last season and he got injured. Same thing this year. He, even with Jamal Williams, more of a factor now. He just hasn't been healthy, and I would, I'm, I would be very concerned as a DeAndre Swift owner, especially redraft. It's whatever, but dynasty, especially if you took him with a high pick, drafted him second in second round. Yeah, just I don't know. I just not passing the eye test for me. I don't like how they manage his reps. I don't like how they treat his injuries and stuff. That's my take on it. I would just be concerned. Not saying he can't be fantasy relevant, but Yeah, and I think the thing on Swift is that he is when he's healthy, he is so fun to watch. He is so good, especially in a PPR setting. He's your opponent's nightmare if you have a healthy DeAndre Swift, because he could very easily go 10 to 12 catches for 110 yards in the score and then add 60 yards on the ground. And it's just a shame that he is injury prone at this point. So if you are a DeAndre Swift owner, like the guy in our league just traded for him. So he didn't have to worry about him being on his bench for weeks and weeks. And he's getting him now when he's healthy. I'm a little different than you guys. I think Swift is going to have a good game. I think that they actually rested him too much because I don't think his injury was like that serious. It wasn't like it was like anything crazy. Like he was like on the fence of playing. That's what I'm saying. He was on the fence of playing last. Dude, if you think about it, you're the one in five Lions. Like, why would you rush this guy back? Should not be one in six. I don't know. That's just. Dude, but I disagree there. Like, he's your staple running back for the future. He's young, he's talented. This year doesn't mean shit to the Lions. Dude, it's his so, ankle and his shoulder. I, don't get me wrong. He's injury prone. I totally agree with that. But I don't knock the Lions for not rushing him back. I think they actually were overcautious in this regard. That's what I was getting at with the way they manage him. Like, I'm not sure if he was fully healthy heading into the first game that he played. And I thought it was almost a shoe-in that he was going to get hurt when he first played. And then he gets hurt, obviously. And... Then they're, they pretty much, like, you knew once that happened, it's like, okay, they have an early bye. They're just going to rest him until after the bye week. And I'm just like, 
obviously none of these people care about fantasy or anything like that, but it's like when you have a team that treats your star running back like that, it's like you just wasted fucking five weeks of your team potentially losing like to on a guy that could easily get hurt when he starts on Sunday. Again. Yeah, he went from 15 rushing attempts to five to seven to being injured. It yeah. was like yep. he could have gotten injured on that first game of the season. He could have been injured before. I think that he got injured during that Eagles game because that was when Jamal Williams had that breakout game. We were like, whoa, what's this? Like DeAndre Swift comes out as RB1 for week one, 26 points, and then is irrelevant week two, week three, and then it's just injured. Yeah. I really don't like what I see with DeAndre Swift, but as you said, he's still a must-start. The upside is too great for you to bench him. But moving on to the quarterback position now, Paul, who is the Rotten Tomato quarterback this week that you just think is going to shit the bed and rot out in the sun? Yes, so I'm going to pick a guy who wasn't even a starting quarterback week one this year, and he has been putting up decent numbers. Blake Zappi. No. No, not him, because Mac Jones is supposed to get the start this week, apparently. We'll see. But yeah. yeah, he is. Yeah, I'm going Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been playing well lately, but they're playing the Rams this week. That is Kyle Shanahan's kryptonite. Sean McVay just seems to always own the 49ers when they play him. CMC could definitely give a boost to Jimmy G, but I don't foresee him taking on that full workhorse load like we talked about earlier. And also, Debo has been extremely underwhelming this year, and he did not practice today. So Debo might not even suit up. So there goes Jimmy G's, you know, two biggest weapons. If Debo doesn't play, and still, let's just say McCaffrey doesn't know the entire playbook yet, so they're not going to give him 100% of the workload, there's not that much to go around. Brandon Ayuk has played fine this year. I will admit he's played okay. But I think the Rams... Oh. They the McVay just plays the 49ers so well and just like own Shanahan. Oh, so what are you gonna shit on this now? I am. I have to. I have Why? to because I can't let this one go. <laughs> so aside from the NFC championship game last year when the Rams won, the Rams haven't beaten the 49ers since since did I, get it back, did I get it backwards then? Does Shanahan own McVay? Literally, the Rams haven't beaten the 49ers. Besides for last year's National NFC Championship game, literally, the Rams haven't beaten the 49ers since the 2018 season. Then you know what? This makes it even better because I'm going to double down. I think that... <laughs> it makes it spicy then. Yeah, it's, it makes it spicy. Uh, I think that Jimmy G still sucks this week. No Debo, not a full workhorse in Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Aaron Donald is still very much a beast. Why is Ramsey is still very much a dog. Why? McCaffrey got a pretty good workload for just being traded to them last week. He didn't like touches, didn't he? Eight rushing attempts and five catches or something. That's a pretty really? good. He had 13 opportunities. That's a pretty good workload for being traded to a team midweek, essentially. And he didn't play third down. So you assume that he plays third downs this week. That's pretty much a full workload. Like He got 10 touches, bro. So you think, I'm thinking, dude, I think he's going to plays at least. I think he's going to play. One sixth. 
I think full game. Like I'm expecting like, you know, 20 touches this week. I think it's just a full go, especially if Debo doesn't play. It has to be. Then you know what? I'm going to mix it up then. The Rams are coming off a bye, and I think McVay is going to get at least this defense right. He's going to at least get his defense right. And he had two weeks to think about Kyle Shanahan. And let's not forget that the Niners dropped an absolute dud to the Falcons. All right, let's make a bet, Paul. If Jimmy G scores more than 25 points this week, you have to trade me Gus Edwards for him. For Jimmy Garoppolo? If he scores more than 25 points. Okay, I'll make that bet. Really? I'll make that bet, yeah. Straight All up. right, viewers, we have we have 21 witnesses. We um, have an official bet now. Yes. We have an All official right. bet. If so, he gets more than 25 fantasy points. Yep. In Yahoo, not Sleeper, because Sleeper doesn't account for fumbles or picks. I think Yahoo does? counts. Does it? Yeah. Dude, I, would, I had. I wouldn't make a league with that. Okay. All right. Let's do it. 25 points in Sleeper. Okay. In the Dynasty League. I will trade you Gus Edwards for Jimmy G straight up. Straight All right. up. And All right. Well, I'm just going to say I have Jimmy G in our redraft league as my starting quarterback, and it's essentially impossible for him to score 25 points because he there's no rushing upside really he doesn't throw enough touchdown passes they run the ball too much he's good he's like a consistent like 15 to 16 point floor but there's really not a lot of major upside there just saying if jimmy g didn't have an interception and a fumble lost he would have had 22 points Okay. If he didn't cause those turnovers that Jimmy G is so prone to causing, right, he would have had this. If Jimmy All G right. played perfectly, he would have had this. <laughs> exactly. But, all right, you guys got a nice little bet on Jimmy G going. I don't think it's going to happen. I hope I'm wrong because he's my starting quarterback in our redraft league. But let's move on to everyone's favorite segment, our favorite segment. It's definitely the most fun. Paul, you can explain it. King of the roster. This week we're doing running backs. Paul, take it away to help maybe new listeners understand what king of the roster is. And real quick, this is our first YouTube segment too. So if you're watching on YouTube, True. welcome. Welcome, welcome. Yes, plug the YouTube. But yeah, guys, so king of the roster is very similar to if you ever played king of the hill as a kid, where John, Bob, and I, we're going to go over a bunch of the running backs, usually the top 24, we usually keep it in the RB2 range. And I'm going to name a player. I'm going to name two players and I'm going to pass it on to Bobby. And then Bobby's going to predict whether X player will score more fantasy points than Y player. And then the person that he picks to win will be the king of the roster. And then Bobby's going to throw that player that he picked and another running back at John. And John's going to select from them on who's going to score more fantasy points. And we're going to keep working our way up until we find who we believe will be the RB1 for the week. This is just the week. This is not for future purposes in fantasy. This is just for week eight. So with that being said, did you guys, yeah, did you guys want me to start it off? Yeah. Start it off, dude. All right. And we're basing this off of Sleeper projections for those who are wondering so i'll start you off with actually a pretty tough one so Najee harris in philadelphia or his counterpart miles sanders this is pittsburgh for all everyone listening i did trade Najee harris in 
my dynasty league. So maybe I'm a little biased, but I don't think so. We're just going straight matchup here. This is easy for me. Najee Harris has shown me nothing this year that makes me think that he can get above 15 points. The Eagles defense is one of the best defenses in the league this year. They've been pretty much shutting down everyone through the pass and through the run the entire year. Steelers defense has been hit or miss this year. I'm going Miles Sanders just because I think the upside is greater, better offense, and just a better matchup. So that would make Miles Sanders our king of the roster currently. So, John, now, since with the new revelation that Ezekiel Elliott is going to be out this week, I am going to give you another tough one, I think. Are you taking Tony Pollard this week against the Chicago Bears or Miles Sanders, the current king of the roster, against the Steelers? I'm going to go with Tony Pollard here. And I think it's, well, one, Dak likes to use Tony Pollard, so that helps. Not that Jalen Hurts doesn't like to throw to Miles Sanders, but Jalen Hurts will steal some rushing attempts from Miles, and he can definitely take red zone rushing attempts from Miles. So I think Tony Pollard is going to have the edge in touchdowns and probably receptions too. I think Miles Sanders will have the edge in rushing yards. In a PPR league, touchdowns and receptions hold more than rushing yards. So um, I'll take Tony Pollard here as my king of the roster for week eight. I like it. I would go Tony Pollard too. Paul, I know you love this guy. Dude, don't (laughs) say him. Will Tony Pollard score more points than Damian Pierce? I knew you were going to. Ooh, that's a ooh, that's a tough one with Zeke Hurt. Damn, that's a tough one. That is. Yeah, that is a tough one with Zeke Hurt. And I think the biggest thing is the unknown. We don't know how much they're going to feed Tony Pollard. And they're playing the Bears, who even though they blew up the Patriots in some how fashion on Monday night, I don't have a lot of trust in the Bears defense. They did just trade their best player to the Eagles today, Robert Quinn. So that's a huge impact, and that's going to give Dak clean pocket, which makes me think that they're going to pass the ball. They're going to throw the ball a lot, but then there comes the whole point of garbage time and all that. And then Tennessee does have a good defense, I think, right? Am I wrong in saying yeah, that? They, they don't give up that many points to running backs. Yeah, they don't give up that many points to running backs, but I am a Damian Pierce owner who I think will definitely beat Pollard in the volume game of this. But why not? Let's ride the hot hand. I'm going to go Tony Pollard just because I think that he has major touchdown upside in this game against the Bears. So I'm keeping Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard has some serious big playability. So honestly, all you need to outscore, like, I mean, Damian Pierce has been good this year. Don't get me wrong. But all you need really to outscore someone like that is just, especially when you're a big play running back like Tony Pollard is, if you get a 50-yard rushing touchdown, you could easily accept what Damian Pierce is going to do. So that would make, damn, Tony Pollard going on a little run right here. It's going to get harder, though. So, Bob, I know what this one would be for me pretty easily, but I don't know if you think differently because I'm a huge fan of this guy that I'm about to name. Okay. But would you do Tony Pollard or Kenny Walker – Versus the Giants. Wow. Oh, that's really tough, man. Because 
the eye test tells me that I should take Kenny Walker just because of the volume, just because you know he's the clear-cut RB1. And like I said, or like we said, actually, that the Giants are really good against the pass, but iffy against the run. I can't go against him. I'm riding the hot hand. I'm going Kenny Walker. I just can't ah. see I can't do it. I can't do it. I think I would have done Pollard there. I can't, dude. I can't see it. Pollard. I would have gone Kenny Walker. I can't. The reason I'm, I guess I'll boil it down to this one reason is Tony Pollard in his fantasy career or just his career in general has been very dependent for points on like really big plays. So even though he's going to be the RB1 this week, yeah, I just can't go against Kenny Walker. I just think he's going to get more consistent volume and he'll end up with more points at the end of the day. Pollard breaks out, but I'm not banking on Pollard breaking a 50-yard rushing touchdown. Do you know the two running backs in the league that in the past couple weeks lead the league in forced missed tackles? Is Damian Pierce and Ken Walker. Dude, that's cool. Two rookie running like, backs. That's crazy, isn't it? It's a new era, dude. We're in a new era right now. We are. We're transitioning right now. I like it. I like yep, it. Me too. So, then, so Tony Pollard had a good run. Now Ken Walker is our king of the roster. So now we're moving up the running back charts right now. I'm going to give you, John, I think this one should actually be – I don't know why James not naming him. Yeah, okay. I'm, I think, yeah, how is James Conner top 15? Give me I have right. no idea. He's – Hasn't even been healthy this year. How is he above Ken Walker and Leonard Fournette? Doesn't make sense to me. Sleeper, pick your shit up. But nevertheless, not the guy that I'm naming. Would you rather have Ken Walker this week against the Giants or Leonard Fournette coming off a fresh dud last week against the Ravens? Make the right call, John. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I'm going Kenny Walker here. And you own him, so don't be biased. Also own Lenny Fournette. I own both in all my leagues. I'm owners of both of those guys. But Kenny Walker is going to score more points than Leonard Fournette, and that is for one reason, and it has nothing to do with stats. Simply the eye test here because I've watched every Thursday game, and no one scores points on Thursdays. I'm (laughs) riding that wave, dude. I'm doing it until I get proven wrong. Last week was the closest I've gotten because I think I had D-Hop as my Rotten Tomato. It was more of a joke, but he did have a great game. So that – Last week's Thursday game was by far the best Thursday game, but ah, fuck, Ravens Bucks is gonna be pretty good too. Damn, Amazon's stepping up their shit. But yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go ahead that it's gonna be a low scoring game tomorrow. Tom Brady's gonna throw his helmet. He's gonna cry. And Kenny Walker, although I do think Tony Pollard will do better than Kenny Walker, I also think Tony Pollard would do better than Lenny Fournette. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Kenny Walker over Lenny as well. I agree with you. That's I mean, dude, the, the Seahawks are really relying on their offense. Is so what a what a one eighty from. Let's, let's not turn it. Let's not turn this back into a Seahawks podcast again. All right, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Go Hawks, dude. But yeah, they've definitely been surprising, and Ken Walker is definitely looking like the real deal. And I was skeptical at first, but. I'm definitely sold on him at this point. So, Ken Walker with a nice run. King of the roster right now. All right. Paul, he had a very hot week last week, and now he goes against a pretty shitty defense. Actually, a very shitty defense. And I am wondering, is Kenny Walker going to score more points than Raheem Mostert? 
The answer to that, John, is yes. Without hesitation, Kenny Walker is going to have eight more points than Raheem Mostert this week. I think, like we talked about before, we're not a Seahawks podcast, although if you're a Seahawks fan, yes, we are. Listen we do have it. a listener. We do have a listener in Washington. Yes, I love that. But, but we, we love the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, we love the Seahawks. But with the fact that Metcalf will probably not play, with the fact that Kenny is getting a New York Giants defense that is very effective against the pass, I expect Kenny to handle a full workload. I expect him to be the complete and total offense this week. I expect him to go nuts. They're playing the Lions, Swiss cheese defense through the air. Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, field days, absolute field days. I expect them to go up big. The only reason most will have some points is if it's garbage time. But even then, they might not risk him because of his injury proneness. They might give Chase Edmonds the ball more. They might give those other guys more. Did you just name Chase Edmonds in this podcast? Wow. I did. I did. And it pains me. But I think. Who's Chase Edmonds? Dude. A third-round pick this year, I guess, or fourth round. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you who are like, let's follow the money, I also agreed with you, but it didn't work yeah. out this year. It oh, did yeah, not yeah. work I... out. But with that being said, I think Kenny Walker continues his reign of terror against defenses. It just looks spry. He, he looks fucking spry. good. Yeah. He does look spry. He's a spry little guy. Dude, he is. Kenny Walker, lock him in. He's chilling. He's very he's nimble. He's very nimble. Keep when Ken Walker rolling. King of the roster. He's right, entered Bob. the top ten. Ken Walker is officially into top ten for week nine now or week eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could be honest. Oh wait, no, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. Not yet. Not right. yet. But he will. And Bob, I want to. F- I actually want to flirt. I want to break the rules a little bit and flirt two guys in front of you. I thought you were going to say you want to flirt with me. I always want to flirt with you. It's the but- wine, bro. <laughs> But one more glass. Jonathan Taylor looks to be healthy this week. It looks like he's coming back. He does have a, I guess, a backup quarter. Do we even want to call him a backup quarterback? Sam Ellinger? He's a starting quarterback, but now he's a starting quarterback. Regardless of the fact they get the fucking ass cheese commandos. Does Kenny Walker, or, do, or rather, does Jonathan Taylor dethrone Kenny Walker as our king of the roster when JT gets? the commander's defense at home. This is really tough. And my, my first reaction has nothing to do with what you just said. Just the fact that Michael Carter's ahead of Jonathan Taylor tells you where we're at so far this fantasy season. Kind of crazy. But nevertheless, I am actually going to stop the Ken Walker train here. I am going Jonathan Taylor. And there is one reason, Paul, and that's because you said it already. Backup quarterback. I am, this is, to my knowledge, Sam Ellinger's first career start. Not first NFL action. He's been in NFL games before, but this is his first NFL start. I'm looking for Sam Ellinger. He, I watched him at Texas, so I actually have a little bit, I'm like a little versed in how he played. We're back. Didn't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, exactly. He's that guy. He's that guy. And <laughs> I'm seeing against a a mediocre defense to this point, I think with a decent pass rush, I think there's going to be a lot of check downs. And I think that's where Jonathan Taylor is going to get a lot of his points this week. And I think it will be enough to outscore Ken Walker this week. I'm looking for Jonathan Taylor to get back on track with the backup quarterback. Kenny had a good run. He really did. Yes, he did. 
Jonathan Taylor finally living up to that first overall pick hype as our king of the roster right now. Yep. So, John, let's see if we can continue it. So, I'm – oh, okay, this will be fun. So, Jonathan Taylor against the Washington defense or – the brand new, brand spanking new projected RB1 in fantasy football. Cracking the top 10 this week, who I drafted in the second round. Travis Etienne against the Denver defense. Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> oh, John. You purposely did not want me to talk about Etienne because yeah. you know that I'm fucking in love with him. It'll be Jonathan Taylor. And I don't know if I should say this right now. I think it makes sense. Actually, I'll save it for later. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to score more points than Travis Etienne. I know where John's going with this. I won't say <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm just going to say it. I, Jonathan Taylor is my locks of the week. And I think he's going to be the RB1. I should probably just not even finish this segment. I'm you probably going to put Jonathan Taylor. Later, but yeah. yeah. You already said what I have typed out for my locks of the week. So yeah. I was like, backup quarterback, commander's defense. <laughs> <laughs> literally everything. I'm just like, yup, yup, yup. Yeah, so, so yeah, I'll play along. I'll play along. If Jonathan... Locks of the week doesn't mean you're the RB1. So maybe there is someone that can score more points than, than Jonathan Taylor. So yeah, I am going to say Taylor scores more points than Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne's first time playing in London. I don't know if that means anything, but... It does. It does. No home crowd. Dude, have you noticed about those London games? They're just wearing all different NFL teams' jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's like their the one British jersey. celebrity that has like the NFL hat on. Yeah. <laughs> like sitting at the 50-yard line. I hate at London games now because you guys obviously know I live in California. So London time, the game's already starting by whatever it is, 7.30. And I almost got screwed. Luckily, I had a good opponent this year and he let me uh, let me slide in another starter. But the news that Kamara wasn't playing at 6 a.m. my time was just insanity. Dude, imagine being on West Coast time and you're just like partying with the boys Saturday night. You find yourself still up at 5 o'clock. You're like, dude, do we just rally until 6.30 a.m.? You like go to a diner for an hour and a half, come back, and just bang out football for the next eight hours of your day? It sounds fun. Like 12 hours of your day. I, oh I, I wish I was capable of something like that at this point. Yeah. 22-year-old 20, me is like, yes. Yep. Okay, so that Jonathan Taylor still going. Jonathan Taylor or... Derrick Henry against the Houston Texans, Paul. What do you think? The Texans uh, have been giving up a shit ton of points to running backs. Derrick Henry is clearly the king. He is the king. I'm yeah, so, I traded him this week. Based on Jonathan Taylor's PPR upside, I do want to swing the vote towards him just because he also gets really shitty defense. But the only thing that scares me is I don't know – how much they're going to let Jonathan Taylor play. I don't know if he's going to be on a pitch count. I don't know if he's going to – because he's coming off his injury. JT. No, not la- – he played last week. That's in the past, bro. Taylor played – oh, shit, he did play. He had 15 points, dude. He's rolling. Fucks. Lock me in for Jonathan Taylor over Derrick Henry, baby. I think, <laughs> no. I think JT could get – I didn't real. I apologize. I didn't realize that he actually was like a f- full play last week. 
We forgive I do him. love Derek. I do love Derek Henry's matchup against Houston. I think Henry's going to be just fine. I think he's going to perform at or above expectations as he usually does. But with that being said, JT's PPR upside with a backup quarterback. Wouldn't be surprised if he's got 10 catches. So let's keep it with JT. Ooh, 10 okay. catches. That's spicy. See, I was thinking more of that, like, Jonathan Taylor's going to get a shit ton of rushing attempts because Sam Ellinger is just not going to be passing the ball 50 times like Matt Ryan does. I didn't really think about the whole check down thing. Is that is that – do a lot of backup quarterbacks – because that's, like, hard to do. Check downs aren't just easy. So – Because you yeah. have to lead the running back. Like, you have to do a lot of things. Like, you see how Carson Wentz does – I don't check down think, passes and he sucks I, at it. I think a lot of teams overcomplicate what a check down actually is. It's literally like a five yard pass. Yeah. Like, gotta throw it in the right spot. Literally the name gotta, of it is the check down. It has to be blocked properly for it to actually work. But at the end of the day, it's literally a five yard out route in the flat. Like it shouldn't be that complicated to get your best running back completion five yards out. But and don't be surprised if Ellinger like quickly runs through his reads where he's like one, two, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. So we'll keep JT. All right. Nice. All right. This one, this one's going to hit close to home depending on who you pick, Bob. I know. Going. I think the biggest surprise, not maybe not the biggest surprise, but one of the bigger surprises of fantasy this year is a dead zone running back who has eclipsed himself into officially the top five after this last week. He's gotten this running back, his last three games, he's gotten 34, 30, and 36 points. Yeah. Do you think that Jonathan Taylor will have more fantasy points than Josh Jacobs in New Orleans? New Orleans, wow. That's, this is the hardest one, dude. This isn't who I thought you were going because I had a good answer for what. Yeah, I know. You thought I was going Mixon, but he's he is who he is at this point. He's a 15 to 18 point warrior. He Mixon actually has. So I'll just say this before I get to what you asked me. Joe Mixon actually has 718 yards rushing on 149 carries and six touchdowns in eight games against the Browns. <laughs> wow. How did you find that so fast? I just looked it up. Joe Mixon versus Browns. Because I knew in the back of my head, I remember hearing that Joe Mixon is like ungodly against the Browns. I love hearing that for redraft. Fuck you, so, John. <laughs> that's not neither, <laughs> neither here nor there. Josh Jacobs or Jonathan Taylor. Josh Jacobs has had 30 points in the past like three games. It's uh, insane. And I don't think rushing attempts, dude. I don't think anyone has – I don't think anyone that drafted him or anyone that even didn't draft him or was thinking about drafting him even thought that this would be the type of ceiling that he would have. But that's the reality right now. So I guess it's a question of am I looking for that to continue pretty much. The way they are using him this week, I think it becomes down to who's going to score more touchdowns. And – like we said earlier, the Saints defense is still struggling and they haven't shown me anything to this point that's going to change that. I think Josh Jacobs will edge out Jonathan Taylor this week in fantasy. So Josh Jacobs, our current king of the roster, only because 
of touchdown upside that he's shown me so far this season. All right. That's fair. So that makes Josh Jacobs our current king of the roster. And this will be a fun one, actually. I think it might be easy for you, John, just because of how I've heard you talk about this player already. With a full workload this week, we're assuming, obviously, he's already had a game to fully acclimate himself to the new team and everything like that. Are you taking CMC against the Rams, or are you taking Josh Jacobs against the Saints? I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs here. The Rams have given up the least, I believe, of all points to running back, so CMC is getting the hardest defense against running backs. And I have a feeling that the Niners aren't just going to forget about Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson. John, I think that's all. I don't know. Jeff Wilson had more rushing attempts than him last week. That's Yeah, because he's still getting to know the playbook and stuff. Dude, but at the end of the day, you're running back. Like, you're given the ball and you're supposed to hit the gap. Yeah, but you got to know where your blockers are and everything like that. Like, it's a whole formation. Who knows where the blockers (laughs) are. It's more the pass game. They're right there. They're right there. Follow them. Yeah, but you got to know where they're going to be so you know where the hole is and stuff. Pull the guard. All right, fine. So I guess him going against the Rams defense isn't enough for you guys because Josh Jacobs is going against the Saints defense and he's going to cook them. I don't think they're bad options either way. I just think give it another week for CMC. Oh, that's right. The next week he has a bye. CMC is irrelevant. Trade him to me. Josh Jacobs, king of the roster. I'll take CMC off your hands for cheap. (laughs) All right, Josh Jacobs, still king of the roster. Paul, I know you know the right answer to this. Mm -hmm. Is Josh Jacobs going to score more points than Saquon Barkley? Absolutely not. Saquon Barkley is my king this week going against the Seattle Seahawks defense. Look for him to be the only focal point of the Giants offensive game plan. They're going to get him the ball in as many ways as they possibly can. Saquon's you know going to be nuts. You know what scares me? If it, And I know this is hard to do, but if a defense can just take Saquon out of the equation, the Giants offense sucks. I know. But the thing is they've tried for you seven can't. weeks. Yeah, until <laughs> Daniel Jones is like, that's fine, I'll be the running back. Dude, he had over 100 rushing yards last week. Yeah, I know. I know. Shout out Daniel Jones. Jesus. There's, there's some serious rushing upside with Daniel Jones in terms of if you're... So did Saquon, dude. Saquon had more than 100 rushing yards, too. Yeah. So the don't Gi- they get? Don't the Giants get, like, Kadarius Toney back and Wandale? Dude, Brian Dable's moving off all those bums. Besides for Wandale, like, dude, Kadarius Toney and Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay, like... Those bums are done. All right, Bob. I mean, we got two options left, Bob. Your boy, Kamara, or Saquon Barkley. Kamara's going against the Raiders at home in the Superdome. This is extremely tough, non-biased at all, because... Pick the quads! Pick the quads! Both of these guys are going to get plenty of opportunities to score points. Saquon's matchup is great against the Seattle defense. So is Kamara's against the Swiss cheese Raiders defense. But there is a reason that Alvin Kamara is the RB1 this week. 
and it's because of check down Andy Dalton. Jameis might play today. Or Jameis no, might no. play this week. Andy, no. Dalton. Andy Dalton's playing. Dalton. Are you sure? Yep. It yeah. Dude, I have Jameis. Jameis Winston is healthy. Andy oh, Dalton my God. Start. You're right. He won't start despite being healthy. Jesus Christ. Going, I believe now they're going with Andy Dalton because Jameis is healthy at this point. So if you're not going to take out Andy Dalton after he threw two pick sixes, when are they going to take him out? Jesus. This I only, just saw that. This only helps Alvin Kamara's prospects for the season, but we're not talking about the season. We're talking about this week. Andy Dalton is the check down king. The Saints don't really have their full cast of playmakers yet. Chris Olave has been really good. Michael Thomas is still a question mark. So I'm looking for I'm looking for Alvin Kamara to rack up those catches this week, and I think against a pretty mediocre defense as well, I think he's going to outscore Saquon Barkley. May not be by much, hence why he's only projected. Point one points more than Saquon, but I think he will outscore Saquon just for the fact of check down Dalton, man. I think the Giants. I think the Giants will have more opportunities to spread the ball around than the Saints will because they don't have. What are they going to do? All they got is Olave and Kamara, and check down Dalton. Check down Dalton, dude. That might be the name of this episode. (laughs) I think that fits it really well. Dude, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think Joe Mixon is going to be the running back one after hearing that stat. Dude, don't get my fucking hopes up, John. Don't do it. Dude, he's been sneaky, like, really consistent this year. Just hasn't had that blow-up game yet because he hasn't been able to get in the end zone that much. Dude, watch. Mixon will go for 40 points, and I'll still lose. Dude, he's had literally – I'm going to go off his last three games against the Browns. Please and don't because then I'm going to be looking for it. I'm Paul's, going. About be, Paul's about to be bricked up, dude. <laughs> dude, I'm – Okay, so he averaged – last three games against the Browns last year are – yeah, yeah, last year. Oh, November 7th, 13 rush attempts, 64 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and he added – Five receptions for 46 yards. Oh, we're going now. We're going back to September 17, 2020. 16 rush attempts for 46 yards. This actually wasn't that good of a game. No, that sounds like a typical Joe Mixon game. High yeah. volume, little to show. Four, then four receptions for 40 yards. And then we're going back to 2019. He had. 26 rush attempts for 162 yards, two touchdowns, and he also added one reception for 14 receiving yards. And did he get a touchdown? receiving touchdown? No, didn't. Oh, wait. No, he didn't. No, no, no. touchdown. <laughs> but as you can see, he get for some reason when they play the Browns, he just gets an insane. He only had 27 fantasy points that week when he went for 146 yards. Dude, I'll take 27. But then, but then he played the next week against the Patriots and went for 136. And then two weeks later, he played Cleveland and went for 162 rushing yards. <sighs> <laughs> Dude, in, in three weeks, he had over 
almost 300, 300 yards. Yeah, almost, almost 400 yards against the Cleveland Browns. Something just gets going in Joe Mixon when he plays the Browns. So I wouldn't, up. I wouldn't go so far to say he's going to be the RB1 this week, but I would look for him to maybe sneak in the top five for the first time this year, maybe. So we'll see. But that would make Alvin Kamara our king of the roster. So all Alvin Kamara owners, like myself, we're all very happy to hear that, and I think he's going to have a big week as well, especially with Checkdown Dalton. But Checkdown Dalton. Come on, Paul. Come on, Paul. Checkdown Dalton. Okay. That's our first (laughs) roster segment. Hey, if you're watching this on YouTube, just go ahead, press the like button down right there, and then follow along with us by pressing subscribe. That way you can get notifications when we post again, and you can see who our king of the roster is every single week. Absolutely, John. Good shit. I love that. So, as always with our look ahead, we got to do some stardom and sit-ums. So, John, what is your start and sit? question of the week my starter sit question of the week is for your rb2 slot do you start and this is not the best rb2 situation this team must be struggling at rbs but do you start brian robinson against the colts or do you start melvin gordon in london against the jaguars oh i oh wow i'm gonna go this is pretty easy for me I would two weeks ago I would have said Melvin Gordon easily because he was the RB one in Denver. Javante Williams got hurt. I would have easily said Melvin Gordon, but since Javante Williams' injury, aside from that first game, he hasn't been that workhorse. They've been playing a bunch of other guys. He's gotten benched as well. Brian Robinson has established himself as the workhorse in the Redskins' offense to this point. Commanders. And canceled. I, oh, canceled. canceled again. Canceled. We get canceled every week. <laughs> How do we keep getting up on Apple Podcasts, dude? <laughs> but I can't, not saying that I think Brian Robinson is going to have a big week or anything like that. But I just think there's more upside because his workload is more solidified than Melvin Gordon's at this point in time. Yep. I'm going to go with Brian Robinson, too. And I, I will let well. you know that this team that I was looking at has Brian Robinson just roasting on his bench like he's just a completeless, worthless little penny. And and he's not a worthless little penny. I'd say he's like a dime. Paul, what would you go with? I'd go with Brian Robinson for okay. pretty much everything that Bob just said. So we can agree that this this manager is just a complete idiot and lives yeah. in homie. In my eyes, yes. Yeah, he stinks. Yeah, he yeah. sucks. You're a fucking idiot, dude. all right guys i'm gonna take this one over from now so before this no longer has this option anymore but we're gonna have fun with it just because it was a headline this week at your rb2 slot do you start michael carter or the newly acquired james robinson Oh, brother! I got an easy Carson answer for you. I got an oh, easy this answer is for you. Bob, had... you have this. Yeah, I'm not giving you advice. I'm giving you the wrong answer here. No, no, no. I don't have. I don't have both of them. He did. Oh, okay, okay. Just for sport, dude. This okay. is easy for me. 
Michael Carter. He knows the playbook. He's been there forever. We've seen him. We've seen the talent. James Robinson just got there, what, yesterday? Like, Michael Carter, lock him in. He's the RB1 at least for this week. Does J-Rob maybe take some carries, maybe take some receiving work out of the way in a couple weeks? Yes. But for this week, Michael Carter, it's not even a question. Yeah, James Robinson probably feels like he's going from the same role to the same role. Like, Michael Carter's got a boost. He's like, fuck yeah, I'm the running back one again. Let's fucking go. So I would take Michael Carter, too, for this week. Rest of the season, I don't really I don't really know. We saw what James Robinson could do when he was the RB1 first two weeks of the season. I, dude, I was trying to trade for J-Rob like week three. I'm so happy it got denied every single time. But, yeah, no, Michael Carter, definitely. It's not even a question. Yeah, rest of season is a little more of a discussion because we don't know how – the thing is, like the Jets, I know Brees Hall is an amazing talent and you can't really pass that guy up, but they traded it up for him in the draft. So that kind of says something about Michael Carter, at least how they look at Michael Carter. Like they may not see Michael Carter as a workhorse back. So for the rest of the season, I think it could get dicey. You may not know who to start at that point. It could start be a 50-50 split. But yeah, I agree with you guys. Michael Carter this week definitely has to be in over J-Rob just because Michael Carter knows the playbook. He's been there for two years. Pretty easy, honestly. But, Paul, hopefully you have a little bit of a more difficult one than my cake question. Yeah, so this one's a little tough, and we're just going to – we are going – I know that the one person I'm about to say is on the injury report. He's expected to play, but let's just assume that he's 100% healthy and ready to go. So for your flex, would you rather start Chuba Hubbard in Atlanta or Brandon Cooks versus Tennessee for your flex spot? Chuba did have over 15 points last week, and I'll I'll let you guys dissect it from there. But I'm going to go Brandon Cooks here just because there's two reasons. Chuba Hubbard didn't practice today, and so he may not play this week, even though they said he could have went back in the game if he needed to. But that also leads me into my next thing. Deontay Foreman had a good game last week as well, so they may not feel a need to rush him back. Not that I feel like Brandon Cooks is going to have some spectacular game with Davis Mills at quarterback, but I think there's more upside there, and there's definitely more targets to be had than Chuba Hubbard splitting the backfield with Deontay Foreman, best-case scenario this week with him not being healthy. Hmm, That's good. I initially was going to say Chuba Hubbard. I think I'm still going to stick with him. Just because I think we've seen what Brandon Cooks can do this year, and I'm not really sure the upside is there with Brandon Cooks. I haven't been having a close eye on Brandon Cooks, but Chuba Hubbard, he we even saw what he did last year when CMC got hurt. In fact, I was an owner of both CMC and Chuba, so it was nice to have that handcuff there. So I, I do believe Chuba's upside is higher than Brandon Cooks. However, you made a good point with Deontay Foreman being in the backfield too. It does limit Chuba's upside i'm gonna go ahead and just say that chuba gets the start at flex for me there because i think he just can score more touchdowns than brandon cooks can i don't really know yeah you're fucked either way if that's your decision but i'll just go chuba here yeah i can see why you would say that i'm just more concerned about his health but we'll see i think if he's fully healthy i would probably go chuba but i don't think he will be i was surprised when they said he could have came back in the game but he didn't practice today. So 
that kind of left me a little confused. I don't really understand that. But regardless, now we got to move on to the studs of the week. But they're not studs here on the iTest podcast. They are loxes. That nice, thinly sliced salmon on a cream cheese bagel. And maybe a little bit of red onion if you're into that kind of thing. I am personally. So we're going to start off with Paul here. Who is going to be that crisp locks quarterback of the week that you get at 7 a.m. right before you go to work and it makes your day? Yeah, my locks of the week, I went a little boring here just because I honestly don't trust any of these quarterbacks that are outside of the top three. And one of the top three has a bye this week. So I'm going Jalen Hurts for my locks of the week. He's coming off a bye. He's facing a Pittsburgh defense that's coming off a short week. They just played on Monday Night Football. The Eagles just added that stud, Robert Quinn, that we talked about earlier. I think their defense is going to be lights out. I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Hurts, just in the first half alone, just does all that he needs to do fantasy-wise and then just cruises to a victory from there. His receivers are healthy. He's running the ball all over the place. Jalen Hurts, lock him in. Top three quarterback this week. That's sweet. Locks, bagel. Jalen Hurts. I'm going to take it from here because I'm feeling good about my locks this week because I got a lot of things in my favor that I think are bound to, you know, kind of collide at this point. My locks of the week from the wide receiver position is Tyreek Hill. His matchup is probably one of the best that you could possibly get going up against a weak Lions defense overall. He has had, believe it or not, 28 targets in the past two weeks. 28. That's a shit ton for a wide receiver. And another reason is, would you believe me if I said he hasn't scored a touchdown since week two? No, I would not. He has not scored a touchdown since week two. We get another full game. Of Tua being fully back, the rapport will start to build again, assuming Tua doesn't get hurt again. And I'm looking for the Dolphins' offense to finally get back on track with Tua being back for a second full game. They were surprisingly, from a fantasy perspective, kind of mediocre last week. Waddle didn't have a great game. Tyreek Hill didn't have a great game either. Tua was okay. I guess it's expected with him just coming back. But I'm looking for them to fully get back on track this week against the Lions. And for Hill to finally get back that touchdown this week, because it's been a while, and I think he will be my locks of the week. I'm looking for a 25-point game at least. Maybe he will push 30 if he gets into the end zone. Um, Well, I'll keep it short because we've already spoken a lot about him. But Jonathan Taylor is my locks of the week for the exact same reasons Bobby said. Backup quarterback, if we want to call him that. We'll say a quarterback that's not going to throw 50 times a game. So Taylor is due for a 20-plus point game. He is healthy and ready to rock against a commander's defense who gave up a lot of points to Aaron Jones last week, and it was actually through the passing game. So if Sam Ellinger can complete those check-down passes, then Jonathan Taylor will certainly, certainly dominate those Washington commandos. Yeah, I feel bad that I sniped that from you, but... Don't. It's part of the game. <laughs> yeah. 
It's part of the game. <laughs> I think so, John. Do you think JT top three running back this week? Yeah, that, yeah. I did. I did originally say he was going to be RB one until I heard that stat for Joe Mixon. So I'm going to go <clears throat> Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor, and then I'm stuck between Joshy Jake and oh. Saquon. Yeah, Saquon, Kenny Walker, Alvin Kamara, same, same guy. Yeah. Kenny Walker is basically Saquon Dalton this week. Oh, true. Kamara does have check down Dalton. But, Paul, let's hear what that awesome bracket question is. Let's talk about wide receiver twos on good teams. Have they lost value? Guys like T. Higgins, Jalen Waddell, Gabe Davis all had high draft capital this year. And all of them are seeing like six, maybe seven targets a game at their wide receiver two status when they were being drafted as low end wide receiver ones. Do you guys think that they have lost some value? I think it stayed the same. I think seven targets is pretty fair for a wide receiver two. I think, yeah, yeah but I'm saying they were drafted as like a low end wide receiver one. Like I, I grabbed Waddle in the range where he was a low end wide receiver one. I grabbed Gabe Davis in the sense that like, he could flirt with 11, 12, 13 wide receiver rank. Um, I'm going to say there's a reason these guys are wide receiver twos. We all knew that Jamar Chase would come back at some point. I guess in hindsight, those like big games from T Higgins were kind of like, you could still expect big games from him, obviously. And same thing with Jalen Waddle. They're both very good players and can and put- Godwin. Yeah, and can put up Mike Williams. I mean, there's a huge list. Yeah, you could put up these guys can put up wide receiver one weeks on any given week, but it's all about the consistency, obviously. There's a reason that Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson are the guys that are consistently drafted as wide receiver ones. So I think definitely to your point that some people expected more out of these players, but at the same time, you kind of have to temper your expectations. When you draft guys, and unless you're just an absolute monster in the draft, which there aren't many people that hit on everything, like Jalen Waddle with Tyree Kill coming in was never going to be a top five wide receiver, a top seven wide receiver, something like that. You just, it, it, there's not enough pass volume to go around. And same thing with T. Higgins. You'll have your outlier weeks, but there's just not enough to go around. So, I think it's more of people's expectations that were too high. I agree with what you're saying, Bob. I think that those players that you named, Paul, are like, those were the most expected wide receiver twos to perform well because it's always smart. If you're going to draft a wide receiver two, it needs to be on a high-powered offense. So you said it. T. Higgins, Gabe Davis, Devontae Smith I'd throw in there, Chris Godwin. So you have to expect the low weeks from your wide receiver twos, but you're just hoping that they have a higher floor than, say, a flex player. And I think they're doing that this year. I'm going to go ahead and just say no to your question. I'm not surprised, or I don't think that wide receiver twos are losing their value. But let's let's stay in this realm, actually, because, Paul, what you just asked segues perfectly into my question. Does this Christian McCaffrey trade bump Debo down to the wide receiver two ranks permanently? Not Wait, saying I'm going- say that one more time. I'm I'm not saying that Debo can't have wide receiver one weeks. He's obviously an elite talent. But does the CMC trade for the rest of the season bump him down to the wide receiver two ranks? 
I'm going to go yes, just looking off of Debo's previous performances. Has he, he has he eclipsed 18 points in the last four weeks? I don't think he has. I think he had like a 25-point game like a couple, a few weeks ago. Okay, but still, regardless, the fact remains that he has been – so he's been 9, 16, 11, 24, 12, 13, and 12. So he has been – underperforming and i think you add another weapon in there let's not forget that debo had what eight rushing touchdowns last year it's yep. insane mm. and brandon Ayuk is has gained the full trust of kyle shanahan again so he's obviously a threat as well i'm gonna go ahead and say it does not make him a wide receiver too i think defenses have something a little extra to focus on and that would be Christian McCaffrey so I think we're gonna see more of an open Debo Samuel and when Debo Samuel is open and he has a lot of room to to run after the catch he can make magic happen I'm gonna I'm gonna look forward to the Debo Samuel performances because I think that he could see a boost in his production and you know what it may not be a boost in volume but I think it could be a boost in his production efficiency yeah Yeah. I like All right, I'm up, aren't I? Yes. Well, well, well. Guys, I think we were talking about this before the podcast started, and we were talking about how we may be in a new era of players and stars. Yep. And specifically running backs. So I'm wondering, and I'm not saying that he's going to be a bust next year, but maybe he'll be a flex player or possibly a bench player on a case-to-case scenario. Guys, will Leonard Fournette be fantasy-relevant next year, meaning he'll be at least in RB2? This is good. Wow, this is good. This is good. I thought you were going to say Kamara, and then I would wholeheartedly disagree, but this is actually good. I like this one a lot. Because he's been in the NFL for six years, right? Five, maybe? He's been in the NFL for a decent amount of time. He can't seem to stay fully healthy they're always at some point whether no it doesn't matter what point of the season it is he always seems to get hurt whether it's like a hamstring or something some muscular injury always seems to happen with him um so quick what's the definition of fantasy relevant and then i'll give my answer rb2 or better top 24 i'm gonna oh i'm gonna say no, I don't think he'll be fantasy relevant because Tom Brady, as I think we all expect Tom Brady to retire next year after this season. And Leonard Fournette has taken on that like workhorse role while also being that James White player who's out of the backfield catching all the passes and everything like that. Let's not forget about Rashad White either. I think with Brady retiring and potentially the Bucks maybe moving on to like a little bit of a younger supporting cast. He'll probably squeak into your flex lineup maybe next year, but he'll be competing for low end RB2 ranks next year, I think. I agree. So I would say don't fret on the one bad game. Lenny was putting up some stupid numbers. If you take away last week, he was putting up some stupid numbers for the past like two or three weeks. He is signed through at least 2024 with a player option in 2025. So he looks to be their future running back. And as a Rashad White owner, I love Rashad White. I mean, you told me, you want to talk about passing the eye test. When this dude gets the ball, he just 
scurries and he just cruises. So if Tom Brady leaves, we essentially know that like pretty much the coaching and the general manager staff, like it just come like Tom Brady's everything in Tampa right now. So I could see Rashad White definitely eking into it and making Lenny more of a split carry backfield. He's not going to be a workhorse, but it's tough with that. What like looking at that contract and looking at what Lenny has done this year alone and his pass catching upside, it's hard for me to say that he's going to be anything beneath an RB two. I think on his bad, on his worst days, which we saw, he's an RB two. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more of just a question of who the quarterback's going to be next year if Brady retires. Yeah, true. There aren't a lot of trade for a quarterback, or if they're just going to use like Kyle Trask or move someone up. I have to. I gotta feel like that they'll be in the market for a quarterback, whether that's the draft or maybe this may be a crazy hot take. We don't know with the Trey Lance injury. Maybe they're in the market for Jimmy G next year. If the 49ers, still, if the Niners are still committed to Trey Lance after investing all that draft capital in him, maybe the Bucks make a move for Jimmy G. And then I will say if they make a move for Jimmy G and a veteran quarterback that knows how to distribute the ball like Jimmy G does, I will confidently still be able to say that I would take Leonard Fournette as at least an RB2. But if we're talking like a rookie quarterback or something like that, like a mini rebuild, I just I won't be really confident in Leonard Fournette going into next season. But we'll see how the offseason plays out. Good questions. Yeah. Good. So real quick, super quick rapid round. Just a stupid funny one to throw out there. What's more likely, Tom and Giselle figure things out or Aaron Rodgers hosts Jeopardy by this time next year? Um, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers hosts Jeopardy this time next year. Dude, didn't Jeopardy get so many views when he did that? Yeah, it did. It did. Aaron Rodgers is on a three-year contract with the Packers. I'm going to agree with John because I think – that I just feel like this has nothing to do with Tom and Giselle. I just feel like Aaron Rodgers is the type of guy that'll just walk out whenever he feels like walking out. So if this season goes completely to shit, Which it looks like it is. I wouldn't be surprised if he retires at the end of the year because we Aaron Rodgers has already proven he's not he's not like Tom Brady. He's not fully committed to the game of football. He loves other things outside of the game, which is fine and everything. But that leaves you way more room to leave the game earlier as opposed to Tom Brady. I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be trying to convince his significant other to play another year. When he wants out, he'll be out. Yeah, and I don't think Tom and Giselle will ever figure things out. I think it's done. I think it's done. Maybe the kids will hold on to that relationship, but I still would put my money on Aaron Rodgers just because I don't think he's – I don't think he's fully invested. He hasn't shown that he's fully invested because he won't really mentor these young wide receivers after Devontae Adams left and everything, which shows that he's not fully committed to winning, in my opinion. So that's just what I believe. But we're running out of time here, so I'm going to wrap things up. Thank you guys for listening. Always, please don't forget to like and subscribe to us on all platforms. We are on TikTok, the iTest Pod One, where we post other content such as our waiver wire pickups and other entertaining stuff that we like to do. We are also on Instagram, the iTest Pod, where we post some of our stuff as well. 
And we are newly, as we mentioned, on YouTube, where we were posting our longer length segments. So please, if you want more of the eye test, then go to all those platforms and follow us and do all that good stuff because we'll be posting a lot more. So once again, thank you for listening. And please, 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 please do not, not. so you could do pick not. up their backups on the waiver wire. It's just wrong. Dude, yesterday, Andy was like, I hope Saquon Terrace's ACL, MCL, and PCL. And I was like, you are going to eat shit this week. I'm waiting for what happens to his team. Dude, he's going to finish fourth. With how and good I'm his not... team is, he's going to finish fourth and get no All... money. We're actually going to be we're gonna be posting on Wednesday next week. So we're going to do our draft on Tuesday. So we're going to be one day later for our usual beginning of the week segments. And we'll be on time for the second episode. Perfect. Thank you, John, for that. All right. Peace. Bye, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.